This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh and with me today is my co-host, Pastor Brandon Starnes. We want to welcome you here today as we go back to the book of Romans, chapter 1, and we look at the attributes of one that's rejoicing, specifically regarding their service in spirit. Yes, service in spirit, that is really a committed service. That is really a service that is striving for excellency in their life. Romans chapter 1 and verse 9, we read, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. You see in this passage really a great genuineness of his service. I like that phrase there, God is my witness. God's bearing record, Paul says, of the following statements. He's saying, I serve with my spirit. God's my witness of that. God's my witness that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Absolutely. You know, that word witness, it's used in John. It's used other places in scripture too. But at John, he uses as he bore record. And also the word witness. This is something that God ascertains, or, or really that Paul ascertains that God sees as him as a faithful servant. Uh, one that is consistent and steadfast. It's inspired with God by God. These words are exactly true. And we know that they're in keeping in context of similar to what David said in the 139th Psalm. In the 139th Psalm, in the second verse, and speaking of what God knows about his servants, the Lord said of David, I know your downsettings. He said, the Lord knoweth my downsettings and my uprising. Thou understandeth my thoughts afar off. And he continues even in that very Psalm. You know, that's a powerful thought whenever Paul says, God is my witness, because I wonder what God would have to say about our spiritual lives. What would God have to say about my service or your service? What would God have to say about my prayer life or your prayer life? So it's a powerful thing that Paul's a able lot to of, say here. A lot of service can be disingenuous. Really, it can. We, we can hide our motives. We can hide them from our colleagues, our children, our pastors, families, spouses, whatever it may be. But we're not able to do so to God. But Paul's whole goal in all of this, it wasn't just to please man, because we're going to look at later what would happen if it was, but rather it was directed upward. It was the reason Paul served was because he was serving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. Any service that we have, when we think of service, we always think of outward. We think of, uh, you know, in my case, I'm going to preach to the people. I'm going to minister to the people. But the reality, the better way to look at the biblical way is to recognize I have no service if I do not have service upward or Godward first. God is aware of my motives, my actions, my dedication, etc. This is that genuineness of service. God is the one that determines the genuineness of the service. And with that comes with a great depth of his service. Yes. He said, I serve in my spirit. In my spirit, not a focus here on singularly just the body, because we can do a lot of things of just going on with uh, uh, prestigiousness or whatever it might be. We can we can send that outward message as opposed to having the trueness of our spirit, your spirit, my spirit, our attitudes, our minds, our heart. Uh, it's one thing to speak of a joy in service if the events of our service, you know, are flattering and prestigious. Sure. And it really speaks to the depth and genuineness of his service. I think of in Philippians 4.15, where he speaks of no church communicated with me, but ye also. So there, it was just the Philippian church that was connecting with him. Can you imagine what would happen to the average evangelist, pastor, missionary, um, lawn care person at a church? If only one person thanked them for what they were doing, the temptation in your mind to pull away, to stop, 
to say I'm not important, to become bitter, etc. Or to even think I'm not having an impact. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, we, we often consider in this, here's one church at one time supported him, and at that part of the ministry, no one else did. But there are other verses in, in the scriptures that, that give some of the grave statements that he had that give us an insight into the depth of his service. You know, imagine, imagine going through this time here. Paul was forgotten. His ministry and service was undervalued. Um, at times, people were even harming and him, hindering him and without a doubt, letting him down. You know, think about the stress, the struggle that that could, if you weren't careful about where your service was directed, if it was directed outward, there's a lot of being let down. But in the midst of it all, Paul was so grounded in his service for the Lord and his genuineness to serving God that he still continued. You know, in Second Timothy chapter 4, one of those last portions of the epistles that he writes, the, uh, Paul, through inspiration, says at my first answer, no man stood with me. But all men forsook me. I pray God that it might not be laid to their charge. Here, here he is. Uh, he's called before the Roman tribunal. He's going to give an account of the charges as a Roman citizen. And there's no one in the camp, as it were, applauding Paul. You know, even singing the praises of Paul, God's going to deliver you. Paul, uh, we appreciate your ministry. There's no one present. Well, people were even standing against him. Well, that's true. I mean, in that chapter, you have Demas that's forsaken him, you have Alexander that's done him much harm. When you consider all of this together, his was not, a, on the outward surface, an easy ministry. It took a depth of commitment in order for him to have a genuineness of service. You know, I think many believers have been down a road of life where, especially in their service for the Lord, they become discouraged. Perhaps they want to quit. And these times are when we must remember that our primary focus is serving God, is serving the Lord. And as such, the service can't just be routine. It can't just be habitual. Um, but it needs to flow out of a defined relationship and conforming our lives, our service to the Scriptures. Listen, the Scriptures are a preeminent thing. Paul says in chapter 3 and verse 10 that I might know him, fortifying our hearts and minds, if you will, our spirit, on the truths of Scriptures is a very important thing. We can't let our minds wander down the path of discouragement or marinate in the depths of frustration. We serve the living God. And God never told us that his will and our expectations would be one and the same. After all, there's a biblical formula to be considered a disciple of Christ. Well, what's it say? To deny yourself, to take, take up, up your cross, cross, and follow me. I don't know how many men have ever enjoyed taking up a cross. Terrible thing to consider. A burden the weight, the heaviness of it, the awkwardness of it, the, the the mistiming of the thing. You're never ready to do it. And even the destination. Absolutely. But that's why the Lord Jesus in Colossians said, set your affections on things above. above. Philippians chapter 4. says to think on those think on things, things, true, lovely, honest, and just, and pure. You know, it, it's, it's during those times... That of difficulty when it rises, and when we talk about service, this this is a common thing that we look at it, and we begin to get frustrated. We begin to look and maybe begin to lie to ourselves. Hey, nobody's ever had it as bad as I've had it. This never happens to anyone else. And sometimes one thing that help us: the Word of God, a commitment to Scriptures and truth. But the reality is the experience of saints. You can read biographies or hymn histories or things. You'll, you'll find that there's believers that sometimes went far beyond what we had could ever imagine. 
One example I think of is George Young and his wife. They got married, fell in love, dedicated themselves to ministering, and most of their ministry was in small country areas. He and his wife just simply followed God's leading. Often they lived in borrowed tents. They lived hand to mouth, uh, never really in excess of finances. By frugalness and thrift and many long hours, they were able to purchase a piece of land. It was practically gifted to them. And after many years, they had all their keepsakes, all their belongings, all of their worldly treasures. And you know what happened at that time? What? Something bad, probably. Something bad's going to happen. In their particular case, it all burned down. They lost. It was a complete loss. Lost everything. They think that it was attributed to someone that was angry at their ministry and decided to be vengeful and hatred towards them and burned it down. They lost everything, their home, their clothing, their keepsake. And it was at that dark night that George Young penned these words that have become so common to the ears of believers. Through sorrow befall us and Satan opposes. God leads his dear children along. Some through the waters, some through the flood. Some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. God leads his dear children along. What a testimony. This is. This is someone that had set in their spirit, their attitude, their mind, their heart for service to God. They had determined to follow God's leading even when expectations were failed. Paul, George Young, ourselves. Right. We are men of like passion, you and I. Um, our steadfast focus must be the same if we're going to have that non-interrupted joy. A focus on Christ produces a steadfast focus on service. By the way, the word service is interesting here. It speaks of homage. It speaks of worship in every action. Yeah, it's not just a common labor. You're right. It's that worshipfulness. And really, every action that we're going to engage to for God is an opportunity to please him. Our joy, Paul's joy, through Jesus Christ, allowed him to be fully committed bodily, but in the focus this morning, internally, his whole spirit was the directive of his focus. And you know, another great testimony to Paul's service is that he continued. He just kept on continuing. You know, we're told to continue about so many things in scriptures. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks always. This is the will of God. You know what? Without an uninterrupted joy, there's never going to be ceaseless prayer and ceaseless worship. You know, I think about whenever prayer or our service slacks off, other things take its place. Uh, bitterness. We don't live in a vacuum. Where you're not getting grand fruit, you're going to get the weeds of the flesh. Bitterness. Comparisons. comparisons. How about anger and envy and jealousy? Absolutely. They're all present. It's an easy thing to look in a time of difficulty. We've moved our eyes off the focus of Jesus Christ and said, you know what? If only I was him. If only I lucked out over here. And we realize that what God has for us, the depth of joy that can be derived, that God who loves us and cares for us has planted us somewhere to do his bidding, becomes something that we have rejected. And instead, all of these evil considerations of bitterness, envy, jealousy, that whole litany of things that we gave just a moment ago will soon uh, take its place. And Paul did so much of his ministry in handcuffs, you know, in prison. Oh, f physically injured, in prison, beaten. You know, he goes from Paul the age to Paul the prisoner. Yet with all of that, he could still abide in a ceaseless prayer. 
And that was because of a ceaseless joy. His spirit was filled by the presence and thought of the Almighty God. That's what produced a joyful heart. Dear Christian, don't let your fellowship with God wane so that your service for and to him seems so drab and frustrating. We seek to serve the God of heaven. We must secure our mind and heart with the word of life. Then our joy will bloom eternally. With that, let's close with our verse for the day. Philippians 2 and 16 says this, Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. May we too say that about ourselves as well, just as the Apostle Paul wrote that under the inspiration of the Lord. Until next time, we would challenge you to continue rejoicing in the word. Thank you for listening.